Okay, hello, welcome to episode 199, or 199, 191 of Sack King's Therapy. Already a boss there, this is gonna go great. Okay, well, we pro- I promised it before that we were gonna do Shane Sharp, and finally, finally, we are gonna talk about Shane Sharp. And of course, always with me, well, most of the time, uh, to talk about uh, random basketball topics, Kings topics, and in this case, draft stuff. It is fall. Oh, yes. Hello. Yes, it is finally here. We are going to talk about Shane Sharp, the mystery man of the 2022 NBA draft, the player that has not played a single college game, but somehow has gotten, has has seen his stock rise despite not playing um, because there's just so much potential with this kid that everyone it's that everyone's intrigued because in the draft especially if you're you know top four or in the lottery you should always go with upside and you know there's just a limitless upside with this kid just because you haven't seen him play <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> on a college level so shane is projected to likely be a top five pick and he is intriguing uh to say the least uh so where should we start he he's he's very athletic what, what do you think of his athleticism uh Fong? Let, let's start there i mean he's a pretty bouncy guy i gotta say that um you know with almost a seven foot wingspan i believe Six eleven is what i read okay from what i read it's almost seven feet so i mean that's a <laughs> that's a long wingspan for a six five guy uh he has a pretty good second jump i could uh, remember that and you know gets a lot of dunks especially in transition uh under that like yeah <laughs> most of his plays are from what i've seen from highlights that are just either big dunks or threes okay so we, we we should probably put this caveat out that i should have put this caveat right before you spoke but the reason why um the reason why Shane, there's no college film of him, he basically, I don't think, was eligible to play in Kentucky last year because of his age or something, some sort of weird eligibility thing. Mm-hmm. But anyways, he did not play in Kentucky despite being on the roster and actually warming up with the team. Um, and then after the season, or like, you know, during this, even during the season, he, they were they were saying like, you know, his people were saying he's going to play in Kentucky next year. Lo and behold, the season ends, the NBA draft comes along, and he declares for the draft, basically just never playing a single game of basketball for Kentucky. So anything that we say about his skill set, like him having great bounds, him, you know, getting, you know, dunks in transition, those are all high school. So just just know that everything we say has that caveat. And so, yes, um, very bouncy guy. Like, you know, I'll be honest, I haven't looked at much of his high school film. Like, there's just not much I can take away from it because, you know, let's be honest, he's not playing against his level of competition and he's going to get a lot of runouts and lobs. That's just how high school basketball is. But it's undeniable he can get up 49 inch vertical and, it, and from the videos you've seen, like from the draft, from the workouts, he can get up. That's what damn sure. Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't know about his body now because these are highlights from almost, was it was it last year or the year before? Because it's kind of hard to tell. With... It's probably the year before. 
So yeah, so I'm gonna assume that he has not played, or we have not seen much of Shaden Sharp within the year, besides you know some warm-ups from Kentucky. Yeah, so like you know, again the draft workouts, like he he looks really really smooth. Unfortunately, it's against no one, uh, against no one in the gym, and like it's just it's just hard to take away from it. And you know he doesn't miss in practice either in the film. So you know maybe in the NBA he just won't miss. Um, but yeah, again it, everything about him looks great to me for the most part. But it's I have to see him against competition. Um, this shot again. He's just a really smooth-looking athlete, r- seemingly pretty comfortable out there and catch and shoot um, situations in practice. And mm-hmm. yeah, again, it's just, he his jumper looks really nice. And again, he can get up. Like you know, him him dunking in practice it looked absolutely effortless. Mm-hmm. And you know, speaking about his shooting, he creates most of his shots really, uh, especially the three. He. He make I mean, he creates a lot of his own threes, um, ranging about you know about thirty five point nine percent during a high school. To, I mean, you know, take it with a grain of salt. And you know, since it is high school basketball, uh, it seems like he plays as if he is the star player of that team, no matter what. And I don't know who else was in that team. And to be honest, I don't think we're ever going to get to those players until the next draft, um, if they do make it to the NBA. But he plays as if he is the LeBron of the team or the Kobe of the team. Which is normal for NBA prospects. I remember LaMelo having a very similar kind of like journey to the NBA. And I didn't think I didn't think it would work, but it's worked now. And hopefully Shane Sharp's kind of in the same vein. Um, yeah, he, he is the star of the team. That's just how NBA stars play in high school. They're the best player that they've probably played against for much of their life. And the composition, ju- again, just really isn't isn't the same. Um, in terms of scoring, yes, he creates a lot of his threes. It seems very smooth from like just how he creates them and how he gets into his shot. And, you know, he's a three-level scorer. He has like counters. Um, he has like certain counters, like if his like drive is cut off or like if the shot isn't there. So like that kind of stuff is intriguing. And like he seems to be really patient with his probing and moves. From the article that from the article that I read, I uh, I don't have his name. I'll, I'll I'll get it in a bit. But he's really just yeah patient with his probing and his moves. And he reacts. He's he doesn't really. The, the way that the writer described it was that he doesn't he doesn't have a structured attack. He's more of like reacting to what his defender is doing, and that's some high level stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially on a one two or one v one, you know, basis, uh, he seems pretty good. I gotta say, um, I wish uh, there were more highlights or talked about his team play because I feel like that'd be. Uh, a little more important when it comes to uh, an actual NBA setting, uh, especially if you know we consider him or we consider drafting him ourselves. Um, yeah, other than that, like <laughs> he seems pretty okay to me. I don't know what else or any problems that can uh, attribute to you know coming to the NBA. Um, yeah, uh, again, it's just it's hard to project these things, but it because of just how like the Kings 
you know, they see, seem to keep taking like safe picks, um, at least like these past two years in Monty's um, in Monty's reign. I think this is time to kick a tire on on a project, you know, mm. just like just take the high risk guy and just see what it becomes. Uh, that, of course, it's easier for me to say because I'm not fighting for my job. Yeah. But like it's <laughs> but it's like I just, I just want to see the, the Kings take a crazy risk like this. And I think it would pay off. I'm willing to. I uh, want to see. I don't know. In my opinion, I'm not willing to take the risk. If we were to choose a guard like Shaden Sharp, I might as well pick uh, Jaden Ivy, which is you know the next uh, probably the next projected pick in our uh, area. Um, you know, since he played in college and he looks more uh, of a well-rounded NBA player, in my opinion, coming from you know recent highlights than what Shane Sharp has provided. Yeah, well, I mean, like, it'll be a, it'll be a, it'll just be an ongoing debate all the way up until the pick is used or if it's traded. Like, it's, I'm going to keep jumping back and forth, probably. Like, I'm starting to kind of warm to Jaden Ivey. I'll Mm -hmm. just say that. Um, But we'll, but let's stick on Sharp. Um, So the, the three level, the three level score thing, the counters and the, and the probing, that's mainly all done in isolation. We'll have to see what he does in pick and roll and because that's how the NBA works. They, they don't run as many ISOs anymore. They more or less create off pick and roll. And, you know, he, it's, he, again, he seems smooth, patient, and tries to read the floor, but there is, like, he's still young. And, like, there was, like, there was just a, an element of just the only being able to play one way, which is, like, the reactive kind of, um, kind of like patient probing as opposed to just using his athletic gifts to kind of blow by guys like that I think will come with time and unfortunately because he didn't play in college we didn't see some sort of evolution or how he was able to grow during the year so that'll be you know a work in progress but as it stands right now probably will be you know there, there are like superstar shots that he takes that he simply will not be taking, you know, if he was on the Kings. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, hard to project, but you know, just, just like knowing that he's just seeing that he seems to have great feel and seems to have a decent enough basketball IQ. I think he can improve this and you know become a very effective player, you know, on the next level or next two levels actually. Yeah, it's it's a lot of big ifs uh, coming from this guy and. Yeah, it's oh man, it's hard to say to be honest. Like like I said, it's a big risk if we do uh, or any of uh, the teams do draft him. It's probably going to take, in my opinion, a year or two to get acclimated into some sort of NBA, uh, I guess, role wherever he goes. I guess. And that's kind of the, one of the issues, right? He's probably going to be, you know, a project that's going to take one or two years to really, to, for, before he becomes a contributing NBA player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Kings have drafted guys that have helped him right away, like Halliburton. Like, granted, I don't think they were expecting Halliburton to be as good as he was. And Davion was definitely like a win now type pick. I think at a certain point, you have to take a project and just say long term. And just look look to the long term and of course there's it's a bit more complicated than that because auntie right now does not have a contract extension um so you know again my job is not online but i would take a risk and just try and develop this guy and try to just see make him into a star like in, in a few years i'm willing to take that risk mm, yeah 
we'll have to see. <laughs> we'll really have to see. And let's talk about defense. And you want to talk about offensive what ifs and how unclear how that will translate. Defense is, uh, yeah, it's even harder to project because guess what? He's again level of competition just isn't there. He's not defending NBA level players, so you just don't know what to take away from his defense. But what we've seen. For the most part, he projects to be a decent to good on-ball defender. Like he has the tools to be a, a good on-ball defender. He's good laterally. He has decent enough instincts, and he also has very long arms. But he he is not projected to be a playmaker. He's not a guy that's gonna you know get you steals or get you blocks. But you know we'll see what he can do within an NBA scheme. And mm -hmm. again, you're just gonna be out there projecting here. Um, yeah. But with that six eleven wingspan, he I think he'll I think he'll be a good team defender just with his length. And again, he he seems to have good feel. Like you know, he he tries to box out, he rotates. But again, it's at a lower level. We'll have to see what he does at a higher level. Again, mm -hmm. projecting, projecting, projecting. Yeah, like you said, he has all the accolades to become a pretty good defender. I don't know about you know a great defender, but it, yeah, it's a bunch of what ifs. Um, from what I saw from the highlights, yeah, he seems like he could be a good help defender because, he, you know, he has the hops, he has the wingspan, and we've seen a bunch of blocks from highlights uh, that are shown, but, you know, most of the highlights don't really show actual, you know, defense. But and also, like, they're, they're not going to show, like, him getting beat backdoor or him just getting absolutely lit up by someone in high school. Like, you know, that that's just how highlights work. Yeah, especially in the high school level, when you're trying to like prove yourself into going on to the next level. But yeah, other than that, like, yeah, we'll have to see. It's this is I'm not gonna lie, I, I, I kind of hated trying to research this guy because it's it's just a bunch of what ifs. Even though there's a lot of upside to his offense, just a bunch of what ifs in between that I don't really like uh, looking at. So ultimately, he the the question with him is that, you know, he is a giant question mark. Like, is basically is he going to to like translate well to the NBA? Enough smart people that you know study the draft or experts on the draft seem to think he'll be a good player. Now, are they willing to project him to be better than you know Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bencaro, Jane and Ivy even, uh, Jabari like? Probably not, just because like you, you just don't know, like you just you just haven't seen him against better competition, and everything is just it's a huge gamble, basically, and mm -hmm. it's it's just about which team will gamble will take a gamble on him. Will it be the Kings? Like, you know, if one of the honestly to me, if one of the guys doesn't, one of the top three don't don't drop, like you know, Paolo Jabari or uh, or Chet. I'm okay with taking him over Jaden Ivey mm -hmm. um, just because, you know, the, the Kings do need like a wingy-ish uh, player. Granted, he, he measured in at like 6'4 and like a quarter or something like that and like just 6'5 in shoes. So that's a bit of a concern. But like, again, like a wing that could score and possibly like play make at the next level is something that the Kings need. Yeah. <laughs> um. So ultimately the verdict, he's a, he's, he was a very good uh, high school player with a lot of tools that theoretically could translate to the NBA, shot creation, 
um, just great feel, incredible athleticism. But like a lot of the skill stuff, it's a work. It's it was a work in progress in high school, and it remains to be seen how much he's worked on it. Like even in even in college, his his handle wasn't perfect. It wasn't liquid enough, and you know his decision making probably needs to be better. And because he took a lot of tough threes, you just mentioned like a lot of pull up threes, even when there was a better option um, to like maybe attack like attack the defense a little bit more. And those are the things that we just we just straight up don't know. You can't project those things. Has he improved as a decision maker? Has he improved his handle? Has he improved his you know his overall feel for the game and just motor and help? Has he worked on his body? We don't even know. We don't even know any of that. But enough. To, the verdict to me is that enough smart people think he's going to be good, and that's good enough for me. Hmm. Well. <laughs> Man, it's it's gonna be tough because having the fourth pick, it's a bunch of uh, there's a lot of choices. Again, the Kings are stuck in a weird purgatory, but it's in a good way because, like, they could trade. Like, it's not high enough to the point where you say you have to use this pick on mm-hmm. on somebody, and it's not low enough to just straight up said, okay, this is probably not worth much, so let's just trade it immediately. It's in the it's in a weird it's in the weird limbo state where it's got a lot of value, but it's not a must use. So like the Kings, like you're not emotionally attached to this pick. Like I'm not. No. And you know, it has but it also has the benefit of having a lot of value. And you can you can get you can get someone really good. Like if it if it is John Collins, like I I would trade this pick and maybe get the Hawks pick and again go for a project um, down the line, but like that is something that would intrigue me a lot. Yeah, I mean, the possibilities are endless, especially with that fourth pick. Uh, oh. uh, I was just going to say, James Ham laid out a very interesting idea of like basically trading with uh, Detroit and getting getting maybe Jeremy Grant back or help if, if the Pistons want to do it, it's the deep bay back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so like you trade, you, you swap picks. I, I don't think it'll work because that's, Detroit would be pretty stupid to do that. They're going to give us Sadiq Bay. No, there's no way they're giving us Sadiq Bay. Yeah. So, like, like the, the the theory is that you trade back, you possibly still get your guy in a way, or like you get a lesser player. Like, let's just say Shaden somehow drops to like whatever seventh or something. Like, you could get you could get like Shaden and later on, and you can get a player in return as well. And, and you know the possibilities are endless. And now you have more depth and. There's a lot of options, and Monty's gonna have a lot of work to do. Um, and, you know, if he want, if he wants to get this right. Mm-hmm. And there's still a lot of time to think about it because you know the draft is still what a month away. Yeah, I think it's on the 29th, if I remember right off the top mm. of my head. It's in the it's in late June after the finals. So again, you have time to figure this out. And an interesting little tidbit. So Shane was supposed to do a bunch of interviews, uh, I think with with or it might have been just media interviews. And apparently he skipped out before like the draft combine game or the basically it was a game where a bunch of draft prospects play. And he left before like interviews and left before that game. And the prevailing theory is that he might have gotten a promise from a top team that he's going to go in the top five. Oh, really? 
like that's the theory I, I just explained it terribly like it, it doesn't make any sense but yeah yes the, the basically there there's a there's a report out there he might have gotten a promise from the team that he's going to be drafted very very high well that'd be pretty interesting to see which team it is but I mean, from like a by a bystander standpoint, I, it looked like he didn't even want to be part of anything. Yeah, he but just he just seems to lean into the mystery man thing, and it's yeah. working for him. And he he's smart to do it, but it's frustrating as a viewer. Like, what is what are you? You know. Mm-hmm. But yes, um, so Chris Vernon brought this brought this up. Um, pretty pretty interesting little little like detail. So OKC. They've always been very weird um, in terms of their draft selection, in a way, because they always went when one when the league zigs, he zags. And what I mean is, he drafts guys that usually aren't like mock drafts are usually basically he usually throws off a lot of mock drafts because he drafts a guy that's usually like just not projected to go at the certain spot last year josh giddy was going where anywhere from like nine all the way to you know 17 and he yeah. went six to okc mm-hmm. um the the what the james harden here like that was actually a surprise when harden went third granted the right thing you know steph curry's <laughs> right there just saying <laughs> steph curry's right there um russell westbrook that year um like he was not projected to go fourth and all of a sudden he goes forward to OKC. He's a guy that's definitely all over the place and definitely thinks outside the box. And my thought is that OKC might be that team that wants to draft second or draft Shaden Sharp. Ooh, that'd be pretty interesting. I mean, like me personally, I mean, not too high of, of him being top five, but if he's going number two to OKC, there's a pretty good chance that one of the top three is going to us or, you know, the projected top three that we already went over. And that's kind of like the thing that's very, very interesting the closer we get to the draft. From what I've heard from guys like Sam Vecini, there's no real consensus on the top three, actually, and the top five. Or like there's some, there's like a, a slight consensus on the top three that we mentioned, Paolo, Chet, and Jabari, but it's not... Uh, with front offices that he's talked to it's not as much of a consensus because particularly with Chet Chet has a very very skinny frame that a lot of teams are very scared of and he actually might be the one that dropped Jabari I don't see dropping because there's so little downside to him and he has a chance to be a star Paolo kind of the same way um but like you know, you never know. Maybe just one of these teams, maybe the Rockets, for whatever reason, fall in love with Jaden Ivey. They fall in love with Shane Sharp. Like, and then the and then like, you know, draft interviews like actually happen and the team just falls in love with a the guy. Then all of a sudden, one of those three, like they drop, and there's a better chance of us drafting them. Like the possibilities are endless. And if we somehow get Chet Holmgren, I think that would be perfect. Oh. Oh man, I I would have I would love to think that way, but we'll we'll have to see because that that's a big tall glass to ask for. Yeah, and Jabari is the guy I do not see dropping just because again there's so little downside to him. Like I, I think you I think you getting your boy Jabari it's probably not going to happen. But Chet, there's a oh, there's yeah. a, there's a chance, and you know like 
well, I mean, let's talk about this right now. Should the Kings trade up? So, like, for example, let's tr let's say OKC really wants Shaden Sharp and say doesn't really want to use the second pick on him. Like, they're willing to trade you the second pick. And let's just say Chet is there. Uh -huh. And would you do our pick, the fourth pick, and, and an unprotected um maybe add like light you could add like light protection to it maybe like top four protected um next year's pick okay would you would you do that deal i'd probably mm, yeah i'd probably do it to be honest um just due to what i mean if chet's not there you have jabari and if jabari's not there you have chet <laughs> i mean it's it's literally kind of like a a no-brainer move in terms of that standpoint but um, yeah, next year's pick, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. I mean, if we're going to really push up to the playoff race, um, who, yeah, it's, it's tough to say how our pick's going to be for next year. But yeah, I, I actually wouldn't mind doing that as of right now. Yeah, I, I don't I, I don't know if I would do it. Oh, I really? Think, I actually think there's better. I think you can trade the fourth pick for other options as opposed to just Chet. Mm -hmm. Like again, the, the the scenario that James Ham laid out, you could trade it for, you know, trade it with someone else's pick, uh, like um, draft or trade for a lower pick and a player. Okay, yeah, I I see where you're getting at. And uh, like, and then you have like other, and there, this is this is honestly pretty stupid of me. I shouldn't think this way, but like, I want to see what Nimi is as a rim protector. <laughs> like there, there's some there's some potential there that I'm interested in and you know granted you want more talent you want like you know if if you're gonna sacrifice Mimi's development who cares honestly if you get Chet but like there might be something there even if you don't end up getting Chet yeah I mean we need to see uh Kayla play <laughs> for some, uh, at least you know some sort of minutes and hopefully well, we'll see if uh, we'll find something for Rashawn and whatnot, and we'll give uh, Kata some time. But yeah, it's it's just a uh, and there's just too many possibilities to think about. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I pretty high on uh, uh, trading up. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I like, but maybe we'll do an episode on these on these other draft prospects later on. Like I love Johnny Davis. He's a guard that might be a problem, but like he's six five, so like you know he can be a wing. I love Johnny Davis, mm. and like I would not mind trading back for him. Mm. Like I said, lots of possibilities. Anyone else that you think uh, you would have uh, drafted in the bottom, like five to ten? I'll be honest, I haven't looked that deep. And, I mean, come on, like looking at drafts, it's one of the worst jobs ever. Just. Yeah, with the amount yeah. of re the amount of research that you have to do, the amount of projection that you have to do, and it's an absolute crapshoot. Like, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. um, no, I mean, like, there's guys like maybe like a Benedict Matherin. I'm kind of interested in, like, just another kind of wingy type player. Like, I'm mostly looking for wings. And Johnny Davis, like, he played. Like, he's a he's a pretty good shot creator, and like, he's not a good three point shooter. That's his big issue. But like, he takes a lot of tough shots uh, out of necessity. But he's a defensive dog out there, and yeah, I'm I'm interested in that. Um, I can I can again I'm slowly starting to warm into Jaden Ivy. I wouldn't be mad if we just drafted Jaden Ivy. Oh yeah. 
So ultimately, I, I don't, again, there's so many possibilities. Ultimately, I am okay with, say, trading for a player. And if that player is John Collins, that's great. Mm-hmm. I will 100% do that. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind either. Just what will the Hawks uh, be willing to do it? But, but you know, you could just use it on shape. I wouldn't hate it. But like, there is going to be a, it's going to be a project, and fans should be, fans should be patient about this one. Um, it might not be anything at all next year, but it might be a few years down the line. So, there's that. Hmm. Okay, uh, let's talk about the news. Um, so as of late, uh, f- about the Kings, uh, not well. There's some stuff happening. We'll get into it. But Daviana misses on second team All Rookie. Um, I, I guess, like I guess I understand why he didn't make it. But at the same time, seeing that guys like uh, what's it called Bones Highland made it and uh, Josh Giddy, despite only playing 57 games, I, I mean. Look, the Kings got to get better as a team, and unfortunately, Davion is a uh, is a victim of just the Kings being bad. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, he has a lot of upside uh, during the latter half of the season, but in the beginning, it was you know he was still trying to get into the groove of his offense. His defense throughout the whole season, though, is is just second to none in my opinion compared to the rest of the team, but. Yeah, it's, it's kind of too bad that uh, he got... What do you say is a snub? I would say, like, Josh... like I would take off Josh Gideon Bones Highland. That's just me. Although I checked Bones Highland's, like, stats. His stats were pretty comparable to to uh, Davion, you know, despite not playing as much. But, like, at the same time, like, you know, this is the part... This is where I have a little bit of beef with, like, national writers and national voters is that, of course, I don't... I get it. You... you you don't watch Kings games, then why would you? But like, this is kind of where I have a little bit of beef with them. And it's just like, you know, this is where the disrespect kind of comes in from being just, again, a, 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 an irrelevant team, a bad team that's not worth your, worth your time. And a guy like Davion just gets hurt like nationally, and, and, you know, with his reputation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, hopefully, maybe in the future, we'll see him in the. Uh all defense team <laughs> yeah one one of these days the kings will be a good defense and he'll have a big part in it and yeah he'll probably be on the all you know all nba defensive team and you know maybe even six man of the year possibly we'll, we'll see but yeah again this is again i 100 get it you can't watch every single game and you know take a take notes on every single player but again the kings of success cost uh davy on this one. Oh yeah okay um, in other Kings news, uh, Kings hired Jordy Fernandez as an assistant coach uh, for Mike Brown. So uh, Jordy uh, worked with uh, Mike Brown um, for like uh, he worked uh, he worked uh, as an associate head coach for Mike Brown's staff uh, once before, and he coached with them on the Nigerian national team. So he there's a relationship there, and apparently he's only 39, so he's an he's an up and comer and possibly a successor to Mike Brown at some point. So th- there's that. Um, he's been a very he's been you know f- he focused on defense and player development, um, and I believe he actually comes from the Denver Nuggets, where you know um, 
you know, Jokic, despite like having a reputation as a bad defender, has appeared, has basically improved on defense every year. And you assume that Fernandez has something to do with that. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, did we lose anyone in uh, order to hire this guy? We don't know who's coming back yet, although we'll get into that in a bit. But like, it, we have, we don't know who's coming back yet, basically. Hmm. I see. Well, it sounds like a very good acquisition. Uh, I mean, as someone who worked under Mike Brown, I mean, gotta have him, right? Uh, but other than that, we'll, yeah, I kind of want to know like who we get to keep. I I know we keep one person though, <laughs> that's for sure, right? Uh, well, again, we'll get into it. Uh, the Kings also, well, it's not been officially announced, I don't believe, but Jay Triano, um, he last worked as a um, as an assistant coach for James Borrego's staff, and he's been in the league for about 20 years, so he has a lot of experience. He is reportedly going to join the Kings, according to Mark Stein, although that specifically has not been announced yet, so we'll see. And you mentioned there might be a holdover, uh, Doug Christie, according to Mark Stein, has not been report has not been officially announced yet, but he is likely going to return for a second season uh, under Mike Brown or first season under Mike Brown. His second season, Doug Christie will be back most likely. Hmm. Oh, that's good to hear. Uh, uh, to be honest, don't remember. Uh, besides the time he coached uh, when Alvin was gone. He did. He looked pretty well as a coach, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, he's more of a you know a player's coach, and uh, yeah, I'm kind of glad that he got to stay. And hopefully, he develops into something because it seems like he's liking this uh, job more than uh, as a commentator. Uh, this to just go back, like so. Apparently, I, I don't. I'm not sure how much he gets paid as an associate head coach, but apparently, like Doug gave up a lot of money, like had to basically give up a lot of money leaving radio leaving broadcasting in order to mm. get the assistant coaching job mm -hmm. which like thinking back like mark jackson has a has a gig as a espn and abc announcer like a broadcasting job with um with you know the big networks the big national networks Mm -hmm. the fact that doug christie is actually giving up money to become an associate head coach Part of me like doesn't blame Mark Jackson for not becoming an assistant, <laughs> just to say the least. Because like, if you're giving up money doing radio and just broadcasting for a local television local television station, and like Mark Jackson is on the national broadcast, Lord knows how many millions of dollars that is per year. Like, so assistant head coaches must not pay well, and it's a grind. And I guess I should probably we probably shouldn't you know give Mark Jackson too much shit for not being not taking a assistant head coaching job somewhere mm, i see oh i didn't know it was that much money duck was giving up because i thought it was more of a kind of like local stance in terms of uh him commentating for the kings but yeah i mean like he, again like doug probably will be a pretty good a pretty good coach like going forward just because he he has a great personality he he's he's definitely a leader and he definitely knows a lot of things and can like really impart a lot of his knowledge and yeah i mean he's seen he's i think he's a good i think he's a good holdover if he is if he does return and you know i i wouldn't i wouldn't hate it if like you know rico hines comes back or lindsey harding comes back you know 
Mike Mike Lombardi, he can go. Um, but <laughs> like you, you know, I I don't I I do I would like to see most of the people return from last year's assistant coaching staff. Oh yeah. Uh, well, we'll see where uh, where you know, I guess the puzzle pieces align with uh, the new staff coming in. So yeah, hopefully uh, some stay and you know, Lombardi, yeah. <laughs> who knows what you could do um okay so let's uh let's talk a little bit about the nba playoffs um so the warriors are now up 2-0 against the uh, mavericks that was an interesting game i think so apparently the the mavs were only up 19 it felt like they were up like 30 at one point because like in the first half like they couldn't miss from three and all of a sudden the second half comes along you know, Ma- the Mavericks just stop making threes and they start to lose control of the game. And ultimately, the Warriors win running away. Did you catch that game? Sadly, I did not. But I heard that it was pretty much Warriors. Um, what was it? Uh, fourth quarter. Uh, pretty much pretty much the last half was pretty much all Warriors that I heard and seen. I mean, Luka made a huge like run towards the end. He couldn't miss at all. And... Mm. But they, they, the Mavs just could not get a stop down the stretch, and yeah, it's going to be pretty rough for uh, for the Mavericks going forward because Draymond fouled out and was terrible this game. But in his in his place, we haven't mentioned him on this podcast yet. Kavon Looney, Kavon Looney's been really, really good. Yeah, geez, ten for fourteen. Uh, <laughs> ten, what was it? Twenty-one and. Uh, 12 rebounds. That's his career high, by the way. 21 points, which is pretty incredible. Not playoff high. This is his no, straight career. up, straight up career high. He is a man that does not like to score at all, but he they kept getting the offensive rebounds and he absolutely dominated this game. Jeez, <laughs> well, congrats on him. He really helped a lot then, yeah. And again, Luca tried to make a push, but he just could, he just could not like finish it off. Like go, or they couldn't get a stop to go away. And you know, again, just it'll be interesting going forward because like I want to say that the series is over, but like the Sun series, like the Suns went up 2-0 and like absolutely pumped the Mavericks, and then the Ma- and then the Mavericks came and destroyed them, ripped their soul, pants them, took took away their family, took away their lunch money, took away their girlfriend, everything just everything in that in that game seven so you know the you know that very you know it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that the maps come back and two and you know tie the series at two two i'll just say that mm. i'm not i'm not willing to, to say that this is over yet but i would say the warriors are are a smarter team than the suns they're a lot more <laughs> trickier and a lot more finals experience yeah yeah they the mavericks kind of blew this one yeah, I I feel like it's still going to be going to state within five or six games. Mavs probably will win one uh, at home and somehow slip one in the Warriors. That's that's my opinion. Interesting. I I, I mean honestly, I would just I'll say it. It's a sweep. I think I think the a spirits. Sweep? I think their I think their spirits have been broken. Well, we'll see because. Like they started out this game amazing. It was like 23 and eight at one point, 25 and eight or something. Mm-hmm. And I thought like the Warriors were done. I was like, oh God, it's one of those kinds of Warriors games. But instead they they slowly let, let the Warriors kind of creep back into it. 
And yeah, like it, I mean, and again, this is a this was a terrible Draymond game, mm-hmm. and you couldn't take advantage. Yeah, for me, as long, I mean, Luca, he's always going to produce, but as long as the stars align and his teammates score the way he they scored in this game, plus I'm hoping Spencer Dinwiddie kind of <laughs> scored a little more also. It did feel uh, bad for him. Like, they caused so many offensive fouls on him. <laughs> and he could not <laughs> get going. It was, I felt bad for him. So, yeah. If, if he got going also in this game, it would have been probably a whole different game, in my opinion. To but, be fair, I think the game seven Spencer Dinwiddie is not a normal Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't know what the hell got into him, but, like, he could not miss. Yeah. If he, if he does come back to that <laughs> sort of sense, I, I, I mean... Mavericks could have had maybe one win somewhere or another. Okay. Um. So, I'm oh, sorry. We about to say something. Oh no. No. You could keep on going. Okay. Well, let's let's move over to the Heat versus Celtics. Uh, Heat just won Game Three. Uh, in in Boston, um, against a pretty against a tough you know uh, Celtics team that apparently everyone gets injured and then ev- and then they go into the hallway and they come out rejuvenated. Paul Pierce is probably trending on Twitter right now. I'll just say that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, a very gutsy win by the Heat, who got, got up big, kind of slowly saw that lead dwindle, but they made enough big plays down the stretch, and they were able to pull this one out without Jimmy Butler in the second half. And yeah, um, really, really gutsy win by the by the Miami Heat and the Celtics. They got to come back in Game Four. That's all. I, that's all I got to say about this game. Yeah, the, the Celtics turnovers and you know the Heat steals. My gosh, it! <laughs> if it weren't for that, I think the Celtics would have had a lot better chance. Uh, especially since Jimmy got out in the first half, or or was it? Uh, was it not injured? He, was it injury? It, it well, knee inflammation. Was yeah, what I what I read. So yeah, pretty much stepped out uh, in the second half and let you know the team play. But uh, Boston in the second half seemed like they were trying to make a comeback real quick. Um, it's just sad to see that all these turnovers and steals kind of blew it in their face. How many how many turnovers did the Celtics have? Is it twenty three? Yeah, total twenty three. That is the most turnovers they've had since October twenty second, opening Jeez. night. Mm. Just a just a weird game from them. Granted, Celtics got a lot of free throws. The refs were not kind to the Heat. They really were not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost doubled the Heat's uh, free throws. And, and I will say, like something about the Celtics. I, I don't know. I don't know what because I, I used to be a Celtics fan, which is the weirdest thing. But I do not like the Celtics team. Like I don't like. I I like these guys' games, but something about like Marcus Smart. Grant Williams, Jason Tatum, something's very annoying about these guys. And, you know, of course, Smart just cannot help himself but flop on every play. Granted, Kyle Lowry does the exact same thing, but it's pretty annoying watching a lot of these. Yeah, it was kind of like a acting class out there. Lots of, both sides flopped like crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like almost every other play you'll see a flop and it'd be a foul. Like, and also, like, there was a challenge of a Bam Adebayo strip where Bam got stripped, I think, by Grant Williams, and somehow it was overturned. I, I don't know what the rules are anymore. Like, he clearly slapped him on the wrist. So it's like, what? How is that? Uh, a, 
How is that a successful challenge? I don't I don't know the rules anymore. Yeah, it's it's pretty much what the refs think, and it seemed like the yeah the refs were siding a little better. It, it, I don't know, the refs were all over the place actually in this game. Yeah, um, ultimately, like this is a competitive series, and it's gonna come down. It's gonna be a close game, I think, every single game like this. Mm-hmm. And you know, let, let's mention a little bit about game two, like. You know, the Celtics simply, like, executed better, but let's see if they can hit 23s again, right? You know, if you can hit threes, the Miami can't do their zone, and they can't, like, muck up, like, your entire offense. But granted, like, the, the Miami Heat offense, it needs a little bit of work. Like, they, they keep, their their bad offense was kind of what let, let the Celtics get back into this game. They just don't run, like, you know, very creative stuff. They didn't, they didn't, play Tyler Hero down the stretch so they just could not create easy shots and that's going to be something to watch going forward and you know on the on the Celtics side like you know when when Jason Tatum isn't hitting threes over guys it's kind of tough for him to score it seems mm, yeah you really need to get Jason Tatum going and I think the rest is just uh, having the team run pretty good offense throughout the game other than that, yeah, Celtics could have had this game, in my opinion. They probably should have had this game, like one hundred percent. But they just, mm-hmm. they just didn't. Let me check Jace Tatum's stats because it, it feels like he hasn't missed from three since, like, you know, since the start of the playoffs. Let me just check something real quick. Why is this so hard to? Why is this so hard to actually look up? What you call it? He he went one for seven. If you're asking for that uh like i'm looking for his playoff stats like straight up oh i see let me, let me just look this up really quickly why is it so why do they make it so hard well other than that i feel like it's gonna be a back and forth series with I, I mean i'm still rooting for the heat to win at the very end game seven at home so we'll see how this uh series goes because... i, I want to say it's a six game series i think i think heat win it in six Oh, you think Heat will win in six? I, oh, I thought you, you were still pretty high on Celtics. No, I no, I don't like the Celtics. I, uh. They're good. They're really good. They're probably going to make the finals. And like, you know, judging from how it's probably going to be the Warriors in the finals, like they're going to give the Warriors problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, ultimately, I, I don't like this team. I don't know what it is about. Him. I don't like Jason Tatum, even though like I 100% admit he, he has gotten to the Giannis levels. He has gotten to the KD levels. Still don't. I still don't like him. And it's just one of those things. No, I no. I I want the Heat to win this one. Uh, I see. Well, hopefully everyone's healthy because, geez, uh, we'll see about Jimmy's knee and Kyle Lowry had a little stint where he went to locker room too. But I mean, he came back uh, pretty fine. Um, Something must else? be really good, but behind behind the scenes and in, in, in yeah. Like literally came back like he was uh, playing normal. Jason Tatum, uh, was it shoulder injury? Yeah, shoulder injury. <laughs> came back looking normal. <laughs> yeah, so um, the knee inflammation of Jimmy Butler, he is not expected to miss any game, so he should be good for four uh, or game four. So it, it was weird that he didn't play. Like if it, if it was like that severe, like that makes me worry. Yeah, played. I mean, twenty minutes. I mean, pretty much first half. But uh, yeah, maybe he should have went back into the locker room and uh, 
get whatever Boston had in the locker room. Yep, gonna be an interesting series going forward. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm expecting the Warriors to win to win it all. But you know, theoretically, although like honestly, to I guess in the big picture, I don't want the Warriors to win it because. Like you're not supposed to be able to win with young guys. You're you're not supposed to be able to have to be able to win championships and develop young guys. Like Moses Moody closed game game two against the Mavs. Like, and he was out there just not really doing anything. Like he didn't. I think he only had two points the entire game. But like he was out there just. It looked like it, he didn't look out of place. And that, my thing is like you can't. You shouldn't be able to develop young guys and win games. Like. I think you know if the Warriors like you know want wanted to win a championship, they should have traded for Harrison Barnes and gave given us Kaminga. That's just that should have been how it works, but they've kind of bucked that trend. They they just they just might win the finals again, you know, again while keeping their core together, their older core, and while they're developing the next generation with Jordan Poole, Moses Moody, and Kaminga, and mm-hmm. you know James Wiseman when he comes back, like. Their future is so bright, it's not very fair. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's at least something different from the past few years. Uh, is but, it? Like, that's their fourth finals in, what, seven years? I, I know. I, <laughs> I know. But it's a whole different team, in my opinion, besides, you know, of course, your Curry and Quay and Draymond. Other than that, it's nice to see, you know, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Andrew Wiggins, part of it. Jordan Poole. And Andrew and Wiggins isn't old either. He's only like twenty-five. Is he really? He's he's not old. Like that's that's what's unfair. Like Jordan Poole's like twenty-one maybe, mm-hmm. and Moses Moody I think is only twenty. Like they're all so young and yeah. Again, it's not fair. Yeah, like pretty much most of their team besides Looney, Draymond, Clay, and Steph, Looney. And- Looney's actually on the younger end. You'd be surprised. He's actually mm-hmm. on the younger end. Let me, let me look up Andrew Wiggins real quick. He is. Oh no, he's 27. Sorry, he's 27. Yeah. Let me check Kavon. I mean, that's not exactly old. That's like prime right there. Looney is 26. I think Gary Payton is actually older. Um, mm. I think he's 26. Like again, it's not fair. Yeah. I mean, in general, I mean, four teams. Only one of them actually, you know, made it. Or I guess you could count the Heat too. Or he made it to the finals once within the last you know five years at least there's two other teams that have a potential chance i guess to uh win it all yep uh we'll have to see uh i'm, I'm picking the warriors to win this one although you know car, car you know it's not fair is what is what i'll say mm-hmm. okay all right um before we end this episode let's play a little bit of a game since it is getting close to draft season uh, i decided to just look up a few players and just read their draft profile to you and you try to guess this player and this player is of course it's in the past and i just like i'll just read you their draft profile and see if you can guess them all right all right so this guy he's a he is a physical mismatch in almost every sense his power, length, and reflexes give him the ability to do things even when he's not in position to do them. An underrated athlete, despite lacking great explosiveness, extremely nimble and dexterous for a big man. With great hands, soft touch, along with a monstrous 7-6 wingspan. Okay, try and guess them now, if you, if, and let me know if you need more clues. 
I may need more clues. Like, do, can do you mind giving me oh. potentially the year? Um. Okay. I think I think we'll make it a little too easy. Uh, twenty ten. He's from twenty ten. Twenty ten. Jeez. I, I. Okay. I didn't expect it to be that far out. Gee. Uh. Twenty ten. Man, I, you kind of threw me off with that year. Okay, you want to give me another clue, potentially? Okay, I think this will. I, I think this will give it away. His okay. lack of maturity and mental oh, okay. focus is evident in his negative body language and lack of composure. He tends to lose his head, looking disinterested or frustrated. Frustrated if things don't go his way. I was. I assume you have. Okay, is it Dcuz? It is Dcuz. Yes, uh, I did not know he had a seven six wingspan. Jeez, that's... I know he was long. I didn't think it was that long. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's long. <laughs> so yeah, see, so he, he was rated 94 overall in terms of a draft prospect in 2011. Hmm. Okay, this one might be a little hard. I'm not going to give you the year for this one because it's 100% going to give it away. Okay. Okay. So his NBA comparison is Magic Johnson. His, so the, this is the draft profile. His vision uh-huh. and passing skills are what sets him apart. A player with his combination of size and point guard skills are very, very rare. The only player to have this in the past was Magic Johnson. And I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a little bit of the weaknesses. Can't uh, let me hold on. His free throw shooting must improve. Defensive intensity must get better. Right now he's under seventy percent from the line, but that should definitely improve with experience. He definitely still goes for the spectacular at times when a solid play is all that is necessary. Want to take a guess? I have a couple guesses, but I'm not sure. I got you, you have unlimited guesses. I'm not scoring you or anything. Oh, okay. Let's let's go with Ben Simmons. It is not Ben Simmons. Okay. I, I like I like that. I like where you're at though. Yeah. Uh, Luca. That is not Luca. Jeez. Who else is Magic Johnson like? Uh, LeBron. It is LeBron. Okay. <laughs> it is LeBron. I, I mean, there were some things I was gonna give it. To, if I said 2003, I'm pretty sure you would get okay. it right away. Oh yeah. <laughs> get it right away. So, okay. I think this one will be a bit trickier for you. Okay. okay. I, I'll, I'll give you okay. So his NBA comparison is Mahmoud Abdul Raouf. Do you know? Do you know who that was? Yeah. Oh, I, I'm pretty sure we talked about this too. Okay. He, he basically, long story short, he was like the he was a bit a player that converted to I think is Islam and then yeah. basically was blackballed from the league because he wouldn't stand for the anthem. Because uh, lo and behold, like that's one of the sins of, and when you're in America, you must stand for the anthem. Okay, so. This is his uh, profile. Made transition from shooting guard to point guard this year, but he is more of a point combo guard. Why was that so hard to say? That makes good decisions. That makes good, better decisions than that of a true point guard. Best scorer in the NCAA at 31.9 points per game. Puts a lot of pressure on defense with his strong scoring abilities and quickness. Looks fearless on the floor and plays under control. Some of his weaknesses. Far below NBA standard in regards to explosiveness and athleticism. At 6'2", he's extremely small for the NBA shooting guard position, and it will likely keep him away from being much of a defender at the next level. While he plays point guard this year, he's not much of a natural point guard, 
and struggles defensively to get around screens and can overshoot and rush into shots from time to time. Do you have a guess? I, I feel I have, I, we've either talked about this or I've seen a video about this. Um, uh, what you want to call it? Is it Steph? It is Steph. I, I yeah. remember one of the funniest things was that was one of his weaknesses was shot selection. <laughs> and yeah, it's, I mean, you couldn't predict that he was going to change the game, but that's what he did. And yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, I get, I get what they were going at. You know, Bats shot selection, small and probably not, not a good defender. He's a fine defender like now, but like, I, I get where, where, you know, the draft guys were, were, you know, coming from when they were basically ranking pretty low for this. Yeah, but you know what? Look what he turned out to be. And Mokey. that's why sometimes you just take a risk on somebody. Uh, well, we'll see about that guy, I guess. Well, yeah. Uh, so this was so this was relatively fun. We'll definitely do this again. We'll, I'll get more trickier players, more, you know, uh, more uh, more off the cuff, if you will. So you, you did good. You did good this week. Uh, we'll see next week or oh, ne- yeah. next episode. I mean. <laughs> Okay. All right. Anything else you want to quickly talk about before we end this episode? Uh, not that I know of, but hopefully we see you know the Heat go up and potentially the Warriors go up in terms of a playoff series. I, I just have a I just have a quick little uh, life update. Uh, so I've had I got picked up a shoulder injury, and unfortunately uh. I cannot play uh, for apparently four weeks. I don't know if I'm waiting all four weeks, but uh, yeah, it's gonna make me maybe a bit cranky in the next few days because, Lord knows, it's a uh, your man's got to play. Your man's got to play at some point. Ah, oh, geez, really? Oh, did you get it during a workout or did you get it during a I, playing? I don't know. The, the the only thing I know is that every time I play after after every basketball session, it really starts to. It, it basically is just like really sore. Like I talked to my chiropractor about it. It's likely tendonitis and like some some stuff that just you know won't go away un- unless i rest on it but yeah um yeah just gonna have to lay off basketball or maybe just shoot left-handed for a bit you should pull a fong i right with your right hand shoot with your left yeah you're not a good shooter so i'm not i'm not following that anyway okay all right let's uh, all right so that's all we have for this week's episode we'll be coming back to you uh probably, well definitely next week because we're not coming out with an episode tomorrow that's that's just not going to happen. So, yeah, uh, we'll be seeing you guys on the next episode, and maybe we'll go over draft. Maybe we'll go over more playoffs. But you know, maybe we'll maybe the Kings will do something, and we'll have something to talk about. Yeah, hopefully more news comes on the way too. And I guess we'll see you guys later.